Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Even despite our weaknesses and our failures and our inconsistencies, God is going to get His work done. And He deals with us graciously and He forgives us over and over again. And oftentimes He overrules our mistakes. And this is what we see over and over again in the lives of these patriarchs. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Genesis. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Genesis chapters 27 through 28 in a message titled, The Folly of Self-Reliance. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Genesis 27. We're transitioning from the brief history of Isaac, really, and moving on into the life of Jacob. And, of course, we know God as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It was to these three men that the, the covenant blessing was given. Of course, it was given initially to Abraham when God called him out of his country in Ur of the Chaldees. And then it was passed from Abraham on to Isaac, and it will eventually pass on to Jacob. And we will see that tonight. But interestingly, we'll see that Isaac is strangely reluctant to pass the blessing on to Jacob. So let's look at the account. Genesis 27, verse 1. Now it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see that he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, and he answered, here I am. Then he said, behold, now I am old and I do not know the day of my death. Now, therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver and your bow and go out to the field and hunt game for me and make me savory food such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat that my soul may bless you before I die. Once again, we see in this history that we're looking at of the men that God used, we're seeing this mixture of human weakness and God's grace and mercy. And here we see Isaac who knows that the blessing is to go to Jacob, but evidently, because of his own personal preference for Esau, he is attempting to circumvent the plan of God. And he is prepared to pronounce that Abrahamic blessing over Esau. Now, it's 
almost absolutely certain that he knew that the blessing was to go to Jacob. You remember back when Rebecca was pregnant and there was that, there was a war going on in her womb. And as she prayed about it, the Lord spoke to her and told her there were two nations in her womb and two different kinds of people would come forth from her womb. And then it was declared that the older would serve the younger. Now, I am certain that Isaac knew from Rebekah directly that God had spoken that to her. But here we see Isaac again, strangely, uh, for a man of faith, for a man of God, we see him strangely seeking to pass the blessing on to Esau. And again, I think simply because Esau was Isaac's favorite. So, you know, as we look at this, and, and one of the things that we've done as we've been going through Genesis, one of the things that I've intentionally emphasized is, is the humanity of the people that God is dealing with. Because a lot of times we tend to have an unrealistic view of biblical characters. We tend a lot of times to think them more spiritual, more righteous, more holy than they actually were. It's important to remember what the scripture tells us about each and every one of them. They were men with passions like we have. They were subjected to the same kinds of weaknesses and the same kinds of faults. And, and the reason that I've, I've sought to emphasize that as we've gone through is really to encourage us that, you know, even despite our weaknesses and our foibles and our, and our failures and our inconsistencies, God is going to get his work done. And he deals with us graciously and he forgives us over and over again. And oftentimes he overrules our mistakes. And this is what we see over and over again in the lives of these patriarchs. So here's Isaac. He knows that Jacob is to be blessed, but he is pushing his will really against God's will, and he's attempting to bless Esau. Now, Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt game and bring it. So Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me game and make savory food for me, that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Now, remember, Esau and Jacob are both full-grown adult men at this point. And here's Rebekah, interestingly, sort of ordering Jacob. And Jacob is unwisely, at this point, uh, complying with Rebekah's wishes. So go now to the flock and bring me from there two choice kids of the goats, and I will make savory food from them for your father such as he loves. Then you shall take it to your father, that he may eat it, that he may bless you 
before his death. So Rebecca, who, as we've already mentioned, had received that word from the Lord that Jacob is to receive the blessing, she sees uh, Isaac attempting to circumvent God's will. And so now Rebecca comes up with a plan of her own to prevent Isaac from doing that. Now, as we read through this story, the thing that we're going to see more than anything else probably is we have four people who are completely in the flesh. <laughs> four people, God's people. This is the, the holy family, if you will. And, and all four of them are just completely in the flesh in their uh, the way they're conducting themselves. Nobody's praying. Nobody's seeking God. Nobody's trusting God. It's sort of every man for himself. But again, in the end, the beautiful thing is God works out his plan. But here's what we've always got to keep in mind. When we jump into a situation and without seeking God or without God's direction, and we start trying to make it happen ourselves, this is when we can create all kinds of difficulty and trouble for ourselves. God is still going to get his work accomplished. He's still going to bring to pass his ultimate purpose, but we will inevitably bring unnecessary difficulty and grief into our lives when we do these kinds of things. And remember, we saw that when we considered Ishmael, Abraham and Sarah's attempt to help God in that particular situation. So really, Rebecca and Jacob are doing in many ways, the same kind of thing that Abraham and Sarah did. What they're doing right now is they're trying to help God make sure the right person gets the blessing. And this is the mistake that they're making. Now, Jacob said to his mother, now, I, <laughs> I like Jacob in this because he, he definitely thinks this is a really bad plan. But at the same time, he for whatever reason, he, he goes along with it. But he says, look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth-skinned man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be a deceiver to him, and I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. So Jacob's saying, you know, Mom, I, I don't think this is really the best plan. But his mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go Get them for me. And he went and he got them and he brought them to his mother. And his mother made savory food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the choice clothes of her elder son, Esau, which were with her in the house and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. You know, in my mind, I wonder just what did this look like? Uh, <laughs> How did, they, how did they arrange this? And so um, she gave him the savory food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So he went to his father and said, my father. And he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done just as you told me. Please arise, sit, and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, 
How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And listen to this. And he said, because the Lord your God brought it to me. So, so Jacob's fully sucked into it. Now he's, you know, he's lying and bringing the Lord into the situation. Then, then Isaac said to Jacob, I mean, just, you know, put yourself in this situation for a moment. I mean, talk about suspense. You know, here's, here's Jacob, and he's already afraid that he's going to be found out. But look what Isaac does. He says, please come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, listen to this, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands, so he blessed him. Then he said, are you really my son Esau? He said, I am. He said, bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's game so that my soul may bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate, and he brought him wine, and he drank. Now, here's kind of a sad thing. It seems that Isaac, really, at this stage, was so anxious for dinner, every conceivable warning sign that was there, he just pushed it aside because I've got to get to that great meat that I love. I mean, isn't that really what's going on here? It's obvious that Isaac senses that something's not quite right. This is the voice of Jacob, what it feels like, Esau. Are you really my son? And, but yet we see that this, this desire, this, you know, basically fleshly desire, his, his appetite at this moment is overruling him and causing him to push reason aside just to fulfill his own personal bodily desire. And it's a sad state that Isaac has fallen into. He's obviously fallen into a dull state spiritually. But again, he's God's man. He's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's part of the covenant. But yet we see that he's, he's grown dim, not just in his vision, but he's grown uh, dull and dim spiritually as well. And because of that, he's, he has no, no real discernment. And so he succumbs to this deceptive ploy. And then Isaac, his father, said to him, come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and he kissed him. And he smelled the smell of his clothing and he blessed him and said, surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field, which the Lord has blessed. Therefore, may God give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren and let your own mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be those who bless you. So Isaac pronounces the blessing. And now it happened as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob and Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from hunting. 
He also made savory food and he brought it to his father and he said to his father, let my father arise and eat of his son's game that your soul may bless me. And Isaac, his father, said to him, who are you? So he said, I am your son, your firstborn Esau. Then Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, who? Where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came. And listen to this. And I have blessed him, and indeed he shall be blessed. You see, this is where you see Isaac knew that Jacob was to receive the blessing. But he was intentionally trying to bless Esau because of his own preference. But now he says, I blessed him, and indeed he shall be blessed. This cannot be undone. This cannot be reversed. This is God's, basically this was God's doing. And Isaac is now acknowledging that. And so Esau, when he heard these words, he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry. And he said to his father, bless me. Me also, O my father. But he said, your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, is he not rightly named heel catcher? For he has supplanted me these two times. Listen to this. He took away my birthright and now he has taken away my blessing. But you see, look at Esau. Isaac did not take away his birthright, did he? Esau gave it away. Remember the story? Esau gave his birthright away for what? A bowl of stew. And as we pointed out before, the problem with Esau was he was just simply not interested in spiritual things. But now he realizes that in not having the spiritual blessing, he will receive less of the material blessing. And so all of this lamentation by Esau... It's not really any kind of uh, grief over the fact that he's lost out spiritually. It's really over the fact that he's lost out materially. He's lost out politically in the sense that he's not going to have the place of power within the family. And when we come to the New Testament, the New Testament, the book of Hebrews, tells us that Esau was essentially a profane person. And we talked about that before. He was a profane person in the sense that he just did not have any real interest in the things of the Spirit. Jacob, on the other hand, he has a deep interest in spiritual things. Jacob is not a perfect person by any stretch, and we see here that he goes into this whole thing of deception. But on the other hand, you have to commend Jacob in as much as he was longing for the spiritual blessing. That's what he wanted. And it's not to excuse the behavior of Jacob here. And we're going to see that Jacob's actions here will lead to a lot of difficulty down the road for him. But nevertheless, he retains that blessing. The blessing is not retracted because it was deceitfully received. But the the blessing remains, and as we go on in the story, we'll see that God comes and he actually confirms that indeed Jacob is the blessed one. And so Isaac then said to Esau, indeed, I have made him your master, verse 37. I have given to him as servants with grain and wine. I have sustained him. What shall I do now for you, my son? 
And Esau said to his father, have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me, me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. By your sword you shall live and you shall serve your brother. And it shall come to pass when you become restless that you shall break his yoke from your neck. So here's the beginning of trouble. So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. So immediately, Jacob is going to begin to reap the consequences of his distrust in the Lord. And as he's attempted through deceit to help God fulfill his plan, there are going to be these consequences that are going to follow him now. When you look at Rebecca and Jacob, you know, in one sense, it seemed like it was necessary to do what they did. And in another sense, they gained the desired result. But as we know in so many different ways, the end doesn't necessarily justify the means. They got the blessing, but they got it in the wrong way. And here's the thing that we need to realize ourselves, because in in our lives personally, there are similar promises that God has made to us. You know, things that he will speak to us about our own lives personally, about his plan for our life, about the things that he wants to do with us and in us and through us and so forth. And quite often as we're traveling on that road of faith toward the fulfillment of those things, things will arise that seem to contradict everything that God has told us. Things will arise that seem to indicate that God's plan is going to somehow fail unless we come up with a a way to, you know, prevent that from happening. And and many times we we can justify our attempts to help God, but yet we have to know this, that always, in every case, that is the wrong course of action. It is the wrong course of action. And even if we gain the desired result immediately, know this, that somewhere down the road, those things are going to come back and they're going to come back and bite you. So these are things that we want to, we we want to learn lessons from the lives of these people because these are the kinds of things that happen in the lives of God's people all throughout history. There are times when It just seems like there's no other alternative. And so we've got to take it into our own hands. We've got to come up with our own plan. For the month of November, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled A Non-Anxious Presence, How a Changing and Complex World Will Create a Remnant of Renewed Christian Leaders by Mark Sayers. 
According to Sayers, we're living in between two eras, an era that is passing away and an era that is not fully formed. This has created a context of confusion, stemming from the influences of both the passing and forming eras. He calls this time the gray zone. It is a time in which we are living that has caused a cultural mood of anxiety, which has the ability to paralyze rather than prosper. We not only live in an anxiety-infected culture, but many have become anxious presence themselves. So in his book, A Non-Anxious Presence, Mark Sayers explains how to identify, navigate, and adapt to this gray zone phase of global culture. He argues that the only solution for an anxious presence is the presence of God himself. This book will give you a personal awareness of the times in which we live and help you develop a non-anxious presence. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order A Non-Anxious Presence, How a Changing and Complex World Will Create a Remnant of Renewed Christian Leaders by Mark Sayers. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Genesis. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.